What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Are you glad that you're in the presence of the Lord one more time, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth? Praise God. Why don't you just greet someone near you? Let them know it's good to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'd like for you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis, to the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 37. Let me say, Elder Morton, it is truly an honor to be here with you again, and I am grateful and humbled by the opportunity, and um, the past year I've been able to spend a little more time with Elder Morton at different places. And uh, a man that I have certainly admired for many years from so far off, um, I certainly have greater respect and appreciation for today uh, as I have gotten closer to him. And so thank you for allowing me this privilege. I honor you today. And uh, I want to get right to the word of the Lord and not take too much time. I know we have another uh, preacher coming, and I do have another day. And so uh, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3. We're going to read from several portions of Scripture. We're going to read from Genesis 37, Genesis 39, and Genesis 41. Genesis 37 and 3 reads like this, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Verse 23 reads like this, and it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Now, If you will, turn to Genesis 39. We'll read verses 12 and 13. And she, being Potiphar's wife, caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, and the story goes on. Now, if you will, turn to Genesis 41. Genesis 41, verse 14. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself. I think that's a good idea still today. And changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, Genesis 41 and 42. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. I want to talk to us today and tomorrow, the Lord willing, about the four coats of Joseph. The four coats of of Joseph. Would you pray with me the Lord's blessings upon the preaching of the word? God of heaven, 
I'm nothing and I'm nobody without you, Lord. I need you, God, in every way. I want to be your vessel. I want to be your instrument. I want to be your tool. God, feed your sheep today. Feed your people, Lord. Strengthen this congregation. I thank you for these wonderful brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for this holy convocation and gathering together, Lord. Favor us with your word and your blessings. Change and transform us with your word. I pray today in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. I have prepared today four coats. Brother Chris is going to help me. You could have a seat, Brother Chris. And Brother Beard is going to help me today. Brother Beard is the assistant pastor in Jennings and a great, wonderful man he is. Great blessing to me. And so the four coats of Joseph are these. Number one, the coat of many colors. It's the coat that Joseph wore as the favored son. Number two, as the head of Potiphar's household, Joseph wore a coat of administrator, overseer. And then number three, from the prison, Joseph wore what I call a coat of transition. A coat of transition that he wore into Pharaoh's throne room. And then as prime minister, he wore a coat of leadership. That's what I call his coat of legacy. Thank you, Brother Beard. Now, so the, the, the messages are going to be centered around Joseph. Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. The Bible calls him the son of his old age. And Joseph was the firstborn of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. Joseph lived to become one of the most outstanding men of the Bible. The story of Joseph is a rags to riches type story. At 17, Joseph goes from being the favored son of Jacob to the rejected brother. At 27, he was thrown into prison. And then at age 30, he became the prime minister of Egypt. The details of Joseph's life story, I say that they're so diverse and complex that that Joseph has a way of speaking to each and every one of us on so many different levels. And I believe today the Lord would like to speak to us from his life. Joseph is one of the very few people that the Bible has a lot to say about, but never has anything negative to report. Joseph kept his record clean throughout all of his life throughout all of the many vicissitudes or changes of life. As you read his story, you'll notice that, that all throughout life, Joseph possessed wisdom, grace, humility, dignity, and courage. Everyone that Joseph encountered or that encountered Joseph found him to be faithful and trustworthy in every situation and under all circumstances. A gentleman by the name of R.W. Moss said that a very high place must be given Joseph among the early founders of his race. In strength of right purpose, he was second to none. 
We know the story of Joseph in that Joseph contended with jealousy and rejection. He survived slander. And once he gained success in life, he never allowed it to become a source of pride. If I could say it another way, Joseph never allowed his misery nor a career of triumph to eclipse his sense of destiny, divine destiny. Another writer summed it up like this. If we cannot have all of the gifts of Joseph, who is a perfect type of Christ, we must certainly covet all his graces. And if we cannot have his greatness, we can certainly emulate his goodness. And so, let's go to the first coat today. And uh, I can just picture in my mind the aged Jacob as he brings his special coat that he has prepared for his son Joseph that he waited so many years for. And he begins to express his love express his honor, appreciation. The diversity of color, son, represents the depth, the magnitude of the love that I have for you in my heart. And he just goes on to express how much he loved his mother and how grateful he was that God had given him to him as a son. And you know the story so well, and this is why it's going to be challenging for me to preach this message, to keep it fresh and alive. But, but you understand that Joseph's brethren already had an issue with the fact that Joseph was the beloved son and loved more than anyone else. But when he got his coat of many colors, they really were irritated. Jacob showing partiality to Joseph didn't set well with all of the other brothers like it never does in any family. They were already jealous, but now they were really jealous and become envious. And they hated him. And then he began to have dreams that made it apparent that If those dreams were true, he would one day be the head of the family and everyone would be bowing down to him. And boy, this really irked them. This bothered them. and They they literally hated him. The Bible said they could not speak peaceably with him. They conspired against him. And then ultimately, they stripped him of his coat. I mean, in anger and resentment, they took his coat. Threw him in a pit. They at first thought, we'll just kill him. But the other brother said, there's no advantage in just taking his life. Let's get some gain out of this. Let's sell him to this band of Ishmaelites that are coming by. And so, 
Jealousy and envy and hatred was revealed in the hearts of his brethren in that they could not speak peaceably with him. They conspired against him. They stripped him of his coat. They sold him into slavery and they lied to their father. I want to preach to us just for a little bit this morning, the first half of this message about jealousy, about contending with jealousy because jealousy got his first coat. And they didn't just want to get rid of him. They wanted to take advantage of their getting rid of him. They literally wanted to make the most of their good riddance. They sold him for 20 pieces of silver. You know what the scriptures tell us? The Bible says in Song of Solomon 8 and 6, Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 6 and 34 reads like this, For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. You cannot please nor can you appease jealousy. You cannot pacify it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you try to be to a jealous individual, no matter how hard you try to show your love and your loyalty to them, no matter how much you show your support, how much you are, quote, there for them no matter how much you want to see them prosper and you do everything you can to make it happen you cannot make peace with the jealous because jealousy is cruel it's unkind and it's uncaring it is a raging fire jealousy makes a person contentious Jealousy makes a person competitive, inconsiderate, divisive, spiteful, harsh, moody, vengeful, angry, sullen, discontented, conspiratorial, and it causes an individual to hold grudges. And I'm sure the list can go on and on and on. Jealousy is born out of many things, but number one, our Adamic nature. Number two, our fears. Number three, deception. Number four, insecurities. And number five, covetousness. Jealousy is born out of fears in that the fears that we have make us want to be controlling and manipulative. It's born out of deception in that we believe negative things about ourselves. You're not as pretty as the other ladies. People don't like you. Nobody cares about you. The church don't want you a part of their church. And the list, you start believing lies. It's born out of insecurities when we perceive the strengths of others as a threat to us. 
and jealousy is born out of covetousness and that when we see what others possess, it makes us uncomfortable and feel as if we're less because we don't have what they have. We don't drive what they drive. We don't live in what they live in. Genesis 37 and 4 says, When his brethren, speaking of Joseph, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Jealousy puts blinders on us in that it makes people very, very narrow-minded. When someone is jealous, they can't see what they have for what they don't have that others have. I think of the many people in the scriptures that had to contend with jealousy. Joseph had to cope with jealousy on a peer level with his brethren. Korah was jealous of Moses' authority. Satan wanted God's glory. Cain was jealous of Abel's acceptance with God. Daniel suffered jealousy of co-workers and political leaders of his time. Jesus encountered jealousy from the religious elite and leaders of his day. I think of King Saul, how that jealousy drove him to drive a very loyal and subject man from his presence into a very dark wilderness experience. Let me just stop right here and say this morning that we can through jealousy, seek to oppose the will of God. But the story in the life of Joseph reminds us today that the will of God can never be thwarted by humanity and evil in others' lives around us. And so if as leaders we allow a spirit of jealousy to overtake us, amen, towards someone who is subject to us and we war against them, One of these days we will confess along with King Saul that we have played the fool in that we have fought against God where we cannot win. When authority becomes jealous, be a David. Behave yourself wisely. Serve as long as you can. Be faithful to God and the principles of his word. You may have to remove yourself from Saul's presence as he throws javelins. Do so. But let the Lord fight your battles. And know and believe that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. And number seven, connect and communicate with someone who loves you as David did with Jonathan. You'll find these principles that I just mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 18, 19, and 20. Let me just say it like this. There's never a good end to bad jealousy. If you allow it to get in your heart, to begin to overtake you and rule in your life, you'll never have a good end. King Saul died having committed suicide, a spiritual reject. Cain became a fugitive and a vagabond. Korah suffered the judgments of God. And the lions that spared Daniel 
destroyed his rivals. And so when you're tempted to be jealous, remember the word of the Lord that the Lord spoke to Cain. When Cain was being torn from having not offered the sacrifice that God willed and he knew he was rejected and the Lord wasn't accepting it. The Lord looked at him and said, hey, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Jealousy makes you worried about being rejected and not accepted. Can I tell you, if you'll just do well, you'll be accepted. When you're tempted to become jealous, stop and count your blessings. Acknowledge and accept your struggle because you've got to name it to tame it. Confess it. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to wash you and cleanse you and be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether we're contending with jealousy within our own heart or whether we're contending with jealousy from other human beings. The answer is the love of God. We got to love the people that we are tempted to be jealous of and we must love the people who are jealous towards us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Amen. I just need a baptism of the Holy Ghost to refresh my heart, renew my mind, and revive my spirit. I say it like this today, a good gardener is not a good gardener because he never gets weeds in his garden. A good gardener has a beautiful garden not because there's never any thorns that come up. A good gardener is a good gardener and has a beautiful garden because he pulls the weeds. And what I'm trying to tell you, you're going to have a good heart and an excellent spirit, not because you never struggle with things, not because jealousy never visits you, but because you're willing to be honest and humble and you're willing to do heart work. That's the way you keep your heart clean. you got to learn how to nip it in the bud. you got to learn how to work quick and pull it out by the roots and not let it get in your heart to stay. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to tell you, jealousy is one of those basic human emotions that we all feel and experience. And it can be either a virtue or a vice. It could be good or bad. It could be healthy or unhealthy. It's a, it's a feeling. It's an attitude. It's a spirit that can be our friend or be our foe. Jealousy can be constructive or destructive in all of our relationships. And our goal as Christians, as children of God, is to establish and keep jealousy a godly virtue in our lives. And I want to remind us, we can. Because we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we are partakers of His divine nature.
who is jealous. A godlike jealousy protects, number one. A godlike jealousy, number two, defends. A godlike jealousy, number three, rejoices with those who rejoice. And number four, a godlike jealousy finds inspiration in others' successes in that iron sharpeneth iron. And so, Joseph had to contend with jealousy from other human beings. And that jealousy ripped him of his garment. What I'm trying to tell you is jealousy brings conflict, struggle, battle. The Bible said where envy and strife is, there is contention and every evil work. And so we got to be careful with this spirit of jealousy. We need to learn to be able to recognize it, identify it, deal with it. Because it opens the door to a lot more things than we ever could have imagined. And so Joseph suffered the cruelty of jealousy. It cost him his coat. And when we lose our coat to jealousy, this is what we need to remember. We didn't lose our father's love. We may have lost the coat he gave us, but we didn't lose our father's love. And it doesn't matter who hates us, God loves us. And it doesn't matter who's against us, God is for us. I want to remind you that people's jealousy, hatred, and cruelty... Their cruel acts will never keep us or you from becoming what God wills you to be. You may have lost your coat that you would have liked to have kept as a keepsake the rest of your life. But it's not going to keep you from becoming what God wants you to be. As a matter of fact, when you begin to encounter these type spirits... And you're a Joseph and the hand of the Lord is upon your life. When you begin to encounter these type spirits and attitudes, just receive some encouragement today. Know you're on your journey. You're on your journey. Why don't you look at somebody and say, you're on your journey. You're on your journey. What time is it? All right, that's coat one, number two. Don't, don't put it on him yet because it's going to take me a little bit to prepare. So, Joseph sold. He goes into Egypt. I can just see him. He's now walking with a band of people. He doesn't even understand their language. He's dealing with the herd of his brothers having rejected him. He may be eating styles of food he's not used to eating. They got their own ways. He don't know if they're talking about him or not. They, and he's, he's, he's getting close to Egypt and he can see pyramids. Gets closer, starts experiencing the city. They bring him down to the commerce district. 
And they put him there with all the slaves. He's for sale. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, notices him. So I'd like to take that one home with me. He buys Joseph, brings him home, begins to put him to work. In Potiphar's house, it becomes very apparent that Joseph was no ordinary man. Genesis 39 and 2 says that the Lord was with him. And all throughout the remainder of Joseph's life and at every stage along his journey, when he encountered very important people, when he met them, this is one thing they recognized about him. The Lord is with him. I'm going to tell you there's one thing that we need to be focused upon more than anything. And that is we have the favor of God upon our lives. Because I could tell you today that all things are possible. You know, we live in a society in a world today that says if, if you can dream it, you can live it. And if you want it, you can have it. You just got to work hard enough. I'm going to tell you it takes more than just courage and stamina to do something great. It takes the favor of God. I believe all things are possible, but only that all things are possible with God. All things are possible with the favor of God. Because the Bible tells us concerning Babel that all of the the people as they worked together, they were as one. They were going to build their tower up to the heavens. The scriptures declared that they would have done it. But the Lord judged them, divided their languages, and kept it from happening. What I'm trying to tell you, within you, there is unlimited potential. But it will only be brought to full purpose if you got the favor of God upon you. And Joseph's life is the testimony that if you will live a life according to God's principles, a life of humility and submission to the plans and the purposes of God, and live according to his dictates and his character, it doesn't matter what or who rises up against you, God's favor will be on you in every season of your life and bring you to your full purpose. The Bible said, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. The keeper of the prison noticed it. If you want to read it later, Genesis 39, 23. Pharaoh noticed it, Genesis 41 and 38. So, he's now in Potiphar's house. He becomes a servant. He serves so well, Potiphar begins to realize, hey, Not only is God with him, I'm being blessed because he's with me. How many would like to work on a job where your your employer says, I don't ever want to get rid of them because God's blessing me because of them? He says, God is with him. And he honors him with the privilege of becoming master of his house. 
Everything is given into his hands. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Pharaoh didn't even know what all he had. Not Pharaoh, but Potiphar did not know all that he had. I mean, he just took it all. He trusted him so much, he just placed it in his hands. Can I remind you today that the Bible says a man's gift will make room for himself. You don't have to fight for power and position. and You just learn how to love and serve. And a man's gift will make room for itself. And so... Potiphar's placing it all in his hands, trusting him. Potiphar just gets to go on living his life. And the Bible says that Joseph was a prosperous man. Not only was the Lord with him, he was prosperous. Everything he got his hands in progressed, prospered. I mean, so Potiphar just, he just put it all in his hands. And Joseph began to move his household. And he began to have organization in the servants. I mean, fine kitchen, food, all of his business, making money. I mean, Joseph's doing it. Now, not only was Joseph a hard worker, Joseph was handsome. He looked like his mama. Rachel was beautiful. He got his good looks from his mother. I mean, he was an eye catcher. He was a hard worker. He was handsome. More than that, he was a hunk. The Bible said he was a goodly person. He didn't just have the face. He had the physique. And he caught his... master's wife's eye. She was like, there's something lure about power. You see, he had the power of presence and he had the character to back it up. He was handsome. He was a hard worker. He represented strength. That's luring. That's enticing the careless people. And so, the Bible said that she cast her eye on him. Potiphar's wife did. You know the story so well. And she said, lie with me. He wouldn't follow She did this day after day after day. To the point, he began to watch himself. He would make sure that he wasn't in the house alone. And she just kept pressing him. Finally, one day, something made it to that where Joseph had to go again into the house. No one was near. And she saw her moment and she grabbed him. And she said, lie with me. And he pulls away. And he flees. Run. 
I've heard it said, there's no fury like a lady spurned. And now, he's gone, but she's got his coat. Wanting to hide the evil intent of her own heart. She's like, I got me some ammo now. I've got his coat. I've, I've got his garment. And so she screams out. You know the story. She screams out and she hollers. That's the southern version of scream out, holler. She says, look, all of the men come running around. Look, he come and tried to force me. And I screamed and he fled. And I've got his coat. This is proof of what he's tried to do to me. He's tried to take advantage of me. Let me just stop right here and tell you how the Bible says how to deal with fornication. The Bible doesn't teach us to fight fornication. The Bible teaches us to flee fornication. You just got to get out of the room. You just got to get out of the house. You just got to get out of the situation. I remember one young lady, Brother Alexander, told me about in our church when she was a teenager, she uh, was given permission to go out with this young man. And uh, he reached over and after they got in the car and tried to grab her by the hand and pull her over. And she was like, no. And he's like, what you going to do? She said, you let me out and I'll call my pastor. Who's going to come pick you up? She said, you let me out and I'll call my pastor. He'll come pick me up. I'm just telling you, you can't just sit there and think your way out of it. You got to learn how to leave the premises. You got you to learn how to change the atmosphere. And now, Joseph's been a man of integrity, but she's got his coat. That's when you get into a situation to where all what seems apparent is that you're guilty, but you're not. It's a situation to where people can just tell whatever they want to say. They can paint the picture and they can say, here's the coat. Here's the proof. He came into my room. He tried to force me. You lose your coat. You lose your reputation, but you got your integrity. You lose your coat, but you've got your character. Can I tell you, 
if I'm going to lose anything, I'm willing to lose my reputation rather than my character. And I want to be willing to do whatever's necessary to keep my heart clean, keep my mind clean, keep my spirit clean, keep my record clean. Have any of you ever got into a situation where you've suffered wrong? The Bible says that when Joseph, Joseph got home, I'm sorry, when, when Potiphar got home, he grabbed <coughs> that garment, hearing his wife's side of the story. He took Joseph. Now, I know sometimes with the character of Joseph, we've wondered if, if Potiphar really was kind of wondering whether Joseph was guilty or not. I'll tell you what Genesis 39 and 19 says, when his master heard the words of his wife, his wrath was kindled. He got mad. He was angry. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Let's go back to the prison. Thank you. Put that over there. He was bound in prison. That word bound means to yoke, hitch, to fasten. And when you read in the scriptures, the Bible calls it a prison in one place. It calls it a dungeon in another place. And then Psalms 105 verse 18, the Bible said concerning Joseph, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. I'm just telling you, they didn't just put him in a cell and shut the door. The Bible says they hurt his feet with fetters. He was literally shackled to the point that as he walked, it cut him, it hurt him, it pained him. He was laid in iron until, everybody say until, the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. I mean, while he's down in the prison, in darkness, shackles around his feet, Potiphar's wife is walking around the beautiful house he helped build for her, wearing the fine clothes that he made it possible for her to buy. While she's just living her good life that he helped make possible, he's down there with his feet hurting, shackles, done wrong, feeling the pain of his offense. I'm going to tell you, when you lose this coat, that's when your integrity is tested. It's when the genuineness of your faith is going to be revealed. It's when the purity of your heart will be made manifest. 
It's a season of uncertainty. Life has literally now gone out of control for Joseph. I mean, he was doing well in 10 years. He had come to lead the household of one of the most powerful men in a world where he was a stranger just a few years back. He learned the language, he learned the culture, and now he's down in the dungeon. He's slandered. defamed. What is he going to do? Is he going to let the dark world that he is in literally envelop him emotionally? Will he become a resentful man, a bitter man, an angry man, a cynical man? Will he not only become isolated in that he is in a jail or a prison or a dungeon? Or will he further isolate himself emotionally in that he pulls himself in a corner and just hate people in life in general? We know that's not what Joseph did. But Joseph learned how to make the most and the best of every situation, stage, season, and circumstance of life. in that he connected with people. He talked with those that he was in the prison with. The keeper of the prison noticed the favor of the Lord was upon him. And so Joseph, Joseph was now promoted again in that he got to serve and have relations and communicate with other prisoners. He got to keep all of them. And what's good is that, again, his heart wasn't hardened and bitter in that, you know, like if he was bringing food to people, he just wouldn't, Put their slop on the table, so to speak. Say, here's your food. Who cares? Like people normally get treated in prison. Who cares? Here, take it. Life's bad anyway, and you deserve to be here. This is just a miserable life we're going to live. People lie on you. It's where a season of life where you're experiencing the worst that humanity has to offer. I remember going through a season where God was teaching me forgiveness. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I forgive. When I prayed, I prayed, I forgive. And I did it sincerely. And I would feel better. But feelings would come back. And I'd go to prayer again. I'd say, God, I forgive. My attitude is still not right. It's still not perfect. Please, please forgive me. And I got sincere before the Lord. Said, God, I'm praying forgiveness. I'm, 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 I'm endeavoring to learn how to let go and forgive. I'm, 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 I'm trying to learn how to not hold grudges and. Hold a fence in my heart. I'm, I'm praying now, and I need you to help me. I need you to help me understand whether I am truly forgiving or not. I, I don't want to deceive myself. I'm praying it, and I'm saying it, and to me, I'm being sincere, Lord, but I need you to give me something that will help confirm into my heart that I'm forgiving. 
I don't want to just think I'm doing it. I want to know it's working. I want to know it's happening. I want to know that I'm, I'm letting it go. I don't want it to destroy me. It was like the Lord took me to Joseph. And he showed me three points. And that is when I get to the end of Joseph's life, he's being restored with his brethren. And he looks at his brethren and he said, you meant it for harm when you rejected me and sold me. But the Lord allowed it for good. And when you can look at your situation and you don't just see it as the devil and you don't just see it as horrible people and you don't just see it of how people's done you wrong and mistreated you, but somehow through your prayers of forgiveness, God can start giving you light, understanding and revelation of how he's working his will in your life through that situation. You can know forgiveness is beginning to work in your life. When you start seeing it as God and not just wicked people. Number two, when your opportunity to return evil for evil comes and you don't do it, that's another sign. Forgiveness is working in your life. Because I'm telling you, Joseph, as his brethren were bowing before him, could have commanded that the Soldiers around him take their lives and they would have never known that their brother had killed them. Their head was in his hands and he let them live. Number three, when your opportunity to do good comes, to those who've harmed you. Your brethren are hungry. Your family is needy. And you're willing to freely give and not withhold what they need. Forgiveness is working in your life. We all have a choice when we're suffering of whether we're going to let goodness flow. I've prayed oftentimes, God, enlarge my heart. Don't allow me to get into tough times where I'm tempted to be small and little. Let my heart withhold and my life withhold good things that I could give. And by doing so, I could grow and become better. Help me. Help me. Help me. Anybody want the Lord to help you to forgive what you need to forgive in life and release what you need to release? I've got a lot more I could preach. I've got to respect the next preacher. Let me just say it like this. It's the work that Joseph did while in the prison that got him out of the prison. In that Joseph remained while in prison suffering wrongfully. 
Boy, I wish I could preach a long time on this stuff because we need a revival of suffering wrong in this generation. There's a lot of people saying, well, I wouldn't take that and I wouldn't put up with that. I'm going to tell you, we need to learn how to take wrong in this generation and put ourselves on the altar. But while Joseph was in prison, suffering wrongfully, the prison of suffering wrongfully, his integrity was tested. He was under the cloud of slander. His integrity was questioned. He just remained a servant. He met the needs of the prisoners. Not only did he meet the needs, he he was discerning. He walked in one day and said, boy, I notice you men, what's bothering you? What's troubling you? Something's really getting you on the inside. What's, what's going on? He's like, why don't you tell me? And they begin to reveal their dreams. Joseph was into other people when he was suffering wrong. And he interpreted those men's dreams and just as the Lord spoke through Joseph in the interpretation of the dreams. They were fulfilled and it happened. So it was that by that interpretation of dreams and being discerning and careful about others in the season of suffering wrongfully helped bring him before the king when it was the time for his word. And so... What I'm saying today in closing is, what are you doing in jail? What are you doing in your prison of suffering wrongfully? Just as as we'll all contend with jealousy, we'll all contend with having the coat taken from us, thrown into the prison where we're suffering wrongfully. What are we going to do in jail? Or we're going to sit there and become angry, resentful, bitter, discouraged people, depressed individuals. We're going to say, God's still good. And I still trust you, Lord. I'm really closing in just a few moments. I keep this in my Bible. It's called the paradoxical commandments. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love people anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but they follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What, what you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but they may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. 
Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. So in prison, Joseph made himself, number one, a servant of others. And when I think about Paul and Silas, the Bible says, while they were in prison, suffering wrongfully, having their backs beaten, the Bible said at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto the Lord. Just pray on, sing on, worship on, rejoice on. God is with you. There be may, may be more that are against you than they've ever been. But always remember, no matter how much or how many are against you, there's always more for you than they that be against you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? The song says, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away. Stepped in and remain standing, please, and save the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. As the thunder rolls, I can barely hear your whisper through the rain. I am with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I will praise you in this storm. I will lift my hands. No matter where I am, you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. What are you doing in jail today? Lift your hands. Give him praise. Pray and sing praises in the midnight hour. Let the worshiper arise. Let Job say, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord.